0: Welcome to the C3V podcast. We looked at uh, John's, John's wilderness journey. Uh, it kind of starts with Luke setting the scene of saying the word of, the word of God came to John in the wilderness. That the Word of God was able to find John right where he was at. And that's still the case today because it says in John that... The Word became flesh, and the flesh dwelt around. See, the Word, the Word is Jesus. Jesus can find you in your wilderness. Jesus can find you where you're at. You may not be where you're meant to be, but Jesus can find you exactly where you're at. So okay. And you know, you know, in a, in, a, in a space where we're like post-Co-COVID, we're post-Ontario street building. In this place, that we can come into a moment where God can speak and find you right where you're at. That we can say it was on the 15th day. It was on the. It was in this moment, on this day, this hour, on this Sunday, in this building. In the amongst of, you know, chairs and technicals and a screen, and a thing that just wants to lean this week. So if I see your heads still, I know it's okay. You know, things we can't control. In, in amongst all of those things, the Word can find you right where you're sitting here this so morning. Good. And we're going to have a moment where we can pinpoint the moment when the Spirit moved. That this, this was it. So we looked at John's wilderness and we saw that that the wilderness does a few things. It it prepares. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Or in my uh, translation, in the ESV, there's a little there's a little number one, and you click on that, and it says, it's got a little or, and it says, or oh, prepare in the wilderness. The wilderness can be a place of preparation. Okay. For John the Baptist, he did all his growing in the wilderness. That was the only place he grew. And we looked at... Oh, well, I mentioned in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, God either meets us there or tests us there, and all through we can see that's what God does because because He wants us He wants us to work out what are we after? Are we after the presence or are we after the promise? Are we after what He can give us or are we after what what after Him? And that and that was the whole message of of Exodus thirty-three with Moses saying. I don't want to go if you're not going with me. Like I don't want the promise if I don't have the presence. So he says I don't want. I don't want success. And and just before that, God's offering him everything. You can have security. You can have wealth. You can have protection. You can have. You can have all the things that you want. You're gonna have it. The only catch is, I just can't come. It was just God had just had enough of them it was like you people are driving me crazy so i'm just going to send you off and you can just just go already you know that's, that's sad just go just you know, come on please give me a bit of space. and most of them he said i don't want any of those things i don't want success without presence i don't want so prosperity good. without presence i don't want the land Without the presence, and God even says, "I'll give you, I'll give you an angel. An angel will go there." He's like, "I don't even want like the next level down. I just want you. And if you're not coming, then I am not going." You see, I wrote here this week. We can find ourselves ch- chasing the blessing and not the blesser, and we can find ourselves living in the blessing without the presence. That so we can just be like, "Oh, he's been so good to me," that we just kind of yes. forget it. So true. So the wilderness, it prepares. The wilderness, it, it refines us. God will always try to stretch you out of your assumption that you are in control of your life. Okay, now you're meddling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have all the answers and opinion until you go through the wilderness. But scars of our wilderness don't disqualify us. They prove that they that you get over stuff. So Say, God, I went through a rough time and I've got this mark. But... God was faithful, and He healed me, and here I am walking with you. Yes, I did go through this, but God in His grace picked me up, dusted me off, and sent me on my way. You know, In spite of us, God can use us. In Isaiah 43, it says this, Forget about what's happened, and don't keep going over old history. You see, God's going to give your wilderness a voice. That's why your journey is because you can say to someone, yeah, i went through the exact same thing. And God was faithful in my life. And when it all looked lost, and when it all looked dark, there was a moment when his word found me and pulled me through. And if you can do it for me, he can do it for you. The wilderness, it removes the voices. I put, like scripture, we lay we'll people in ourselves by our worst characteristics. We call them like, he was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. We call them blackleckers, we call them tax collectors, we call them women caught in adultery. I'm sure all of those people had actually name, had names, but we've labeled them by their worst characteristic. Yes. And really the question was this, what name have you been calling yourself? Have you been calling yourself worthless, or confused, or angry, or fearful, or stupid, inadequate, broken, unqualified? Whatever it is, I want to tell you that God is a name changer. Mm-hmm. And He changes your name not based on where you've been, but on the future that He has for you. Okay. He took Saul, who persecuted, and said, No, I'm going to call you Paul, and now you're going to be looking after those people. Isaiah 43 says this I've called you by name, your mind. He's called you anointed, redeemed, forgiven, holy. Blameless, blessed. All of those. The wilderness, it sets you apart. And really, we just looked at, real quick, we just looked at repentance. And what two words have changed more hearts or built more branches than saying, I'm sorry? In the book of Malachi, it says this the way to escape slave slavery, the way to escape the things that have been binding you up, the things that have been holding you back, the things that have been keeping you captive, the way to escape that slave slavery is simply this. Return to me and I will return to you. So good. With us saying, God, sorry, (laughs) God, I've messed up. I'm taking a step back to you. He says, return to me and I will return to you. Because God's plan is was and always will be redemption. Page after page, chapter after chapter, book after book, Genesis to Revelation, that was God's plan. It was one of redemption. And I made the comment that we joke about the walk of shame, but the walk of grace is just as hard. The one that says, I'm not always where I should be, but here I am, God. Because His promises are bigger than the place you're at right now. His purpose is bigger than the place you're at right now. His presence is bigger than the place where you're at right now. It's time to come out of the wilderness. But that was last week in a nutshell. And this week we're continuing on. Luke 3.21, it says, Now when all the people were baptised, and when Jesus had also been baptized, he was praying. The heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son. With you, with, with you I am well pleased. It's, it's a pretty dramatic moment. Jesus is baptized, heavens open, you know, sunshine parts in the clouds, the light hits him perfectly. As the dove descends, and the voice says, I am well pleased. I wanted to start here because this is a really important thing. God says he's well pleased, and Jesus hasn't done anything yet. So good. This isn't like he'd already healed the sick. This isn't he'd already risen, you know, brought people back from the dead or leprosy got He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't, he hasn't performed it. He hasn't been successful yet. It just says, you are my son and I am well pleased. We looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago, what he had done was this. It says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all people. The only thing that he had done so far that made God well pleased was that he lived a normal life. That he grew up. That he respected his mother and his father that he'd helped out in the family business. For 30 years, he had just grown. He hadn't done anything super special. He hadn't done anything above the ordinary. But in that, And it was in that moment that God said, I'm well pleased. When Jesus was on the cross saying, Father, where are you? There was no, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It was here before he'd done anything, before he'd, he'd crossed any, before anything, He was well-pleased. And I just thought, what a great place to start this morning is this, that it takes no further inspiration. It takes you doing no more than what you've been doing for God to be well-pleased with you. You don't need to tick off some boxes or check or pray enough or do anything. Just you being growing in favour with God and with people is enough for Him to say, you are my son and I am well-pleased you were born with a purpose and a plan. You're not a mistake. There's nothing else you need to do. You are enough. You're enough. That's where I want to start today. So Luke, Ooh, okay. Luke 4 goes on. Luke 4 goes on, and it's the temptation of Jesus. So the heavens, the heavens open, God speaks, and that leads Jesus into the wilderness. You think, no, that can't be right. If God speaks over my life, if there's this major dramatic moment in my life, this must be the doorway opening for me to walk into my earthly ministry. But for Jesus, all that happened and it led him into the wilderness. If Jesus had a wilderness experience, then we shouldn't be surprised when we do. So good. For so many, it's this in between wilderness times that are the heart's hardest. But I find that it's when we grow the most. (laughs) We don't like them because typically they're tests and we grow, but that's what it is. And man, I've had so many friends. It said that Jesus was full of the Spirit and was led into the wilderness. I've had friends who've been so full of the Spirit so obviously anointed and called by God, who've been led into a wilderness and said, well, obviously you're not for me anymore, I'm out. I'm gone. This can't be what you want. You can't, you know, you anointed me and called me, how come I'm not, I'm out. The heavens opened and He spoke to me and the Holy Spirit, oh, it's full of the Spirit. What have you, I'm out. Can I just encourage you that there's so many people in the Bible who went through this. We just see it as in chapters, but sometimes we don't realise that a cha- between a chapter is 18 years, Come on, or 22 years, check. or 10 years. It's so good. You know, we just go, "Oh no, it should just happen. I just flow onto the next page." <laughs> but Paul, Paul had that ex- same experience. On a donkey. Heaven's open. God speaks. Ten years before he steps into his ministry. Yeah. And what did he do in those ten, ten years? He got sent home. Like a kid, like, take your ball and go home. <laughs> <laughs> he was like to the disciples, I'm ready, the Lord has anointed me. And they're like, no you're not. Go on. <laughs> ten years he was away. Yeah. Abraham had 25 years. From the promise of a son to Isaac. Mm, David had twenty five years from anointed to king. No, it should just it's why aren't you happening? God has been a week. (laughs) Joseph had twenty two years before his came to Like these are these are long moments, but it's in these moments that we get the chance to draw closer to him. To find His purpose. This is what it is. The wilderness teaches that we are not God's gift to mankind. That's what it teaches us. I'm full of the Spirit. I'm anointed. The Lord should use me. Not like that, I'm not. You need to have a bit of time over here. You need to work through some stuff. But you don't understand, I'm a very big deal, God. Exactly, that's why we're sending you back over here. But God, you don't understand, I am a prophet. You know, people love to call me. you know, I'm a prophet, I'm an apostle. You're doing your YouTube to three people, and your parents pay for this man. You know, you know. I've met a lot of people. It says here the Jesus was full of the Spirit. I've met a lot of people. They were full of something. <laughs> Tell you what, the same letter starts starts with an S and ends with a T. We can be full of something, and the wilderness it helps us. I love <laughs> teaches us, it teaches us what we're not. In John 1, in John 1, John's talking about John the Baptist, just to make things a little confusing. He said, this is the testament of the Jews, and they, they came to him and said, they said, who are you? Who are you? And he just he said, well, I'm not the Christ. Well, are you a prophet? I'm not. Like who who are you? He was he was more comfortable in who he wasn't than who he was. So good. And that's what the wilderness teaches. The wilderness teaches that it's not some we're not looking for a method. We're not looking like what's the secret source that's gonna get me to where I'm going? It's it's not it's not a it's not a technique or it's not a three steps or if it, or if it's like, well, if I was just more like this person, or if it was just that person, but it's there's no special formula, there's no secret key. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us, its presence over and promise. And that's what the wilderness teaches. And I love in this in this story, you see John coming out of the wilderness as Jesus heads into the wilderness. I put As one comes out, one goes in. And I'm like, that is the seasons of our walk with God. Wow. Sometimes you're walking out of the wilderness, but sometimes you're walking into the wilderness. And just as much as God led John out of the wilderness, he led Jesus into the wilderness. So good. We have to faithfully follow wherever the Spirit leads. Yes. That's say that what again. we need to do. Say that again. We faithfully, we need to faithfully follow wherever the Spirit leads. If the Spirit leads me out of the wilderness and gives me a voice of one crime where gives me my wilderness a voice, then I will preach it and I will declare it and I will help everybody. If he leads me into the wilderness, then I'll be prepared to say, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What can I learn? What can I take out of this? But wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever I go, you can can lead me into being successful, but but just let me be faithful. Let me be faithful. Jesus' wilderness experience teaches us this, that there's a difference between tempted and tested. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness But he was tested in the garden, And there's a very big difference. Temptation tends to happen alone. Testing seems to happen in community. Sometimes it feels like it's the community that's testing you. But temptation always happens alone. Temptation will try and pull you away from God. Just bit by bit. Long, slow game, you do it. Tests, they draw us closer to God, closer to community, closer to together. It builds you for the future. Temptation comes in multiples. If you sum up the three temptations of Jesus, stop me if you've heard this, literally this, take care of yourself, Be successful, seek the spotlight. If that is not the temptation of the world wrapped up right there, that's so many books. Just take care of yourself. You've got to be successful. You've got to be successful, you've got to be successful. And then and now in this day and age, seek the spotlight. Build your brand. Put out the content that everyone's gonna come to, seek the spotlight. That was the temptation, but tests ultimately just come once and produce a willingness, for your will be done. James 1 says, "Can all joy, my brothers, that when you meet various trials and kinds, you know that the testing of your faith produces. Testing produces. If you just need a couple of scriptures that highlight this, it says this in James 1:13. God doesn't tempt anyone, so there you go. Tempting is not God; testing is God. But Deuteronomy says that God tests to know the heart. Okay, here's the bad news: tests have no timelines. <laughs> There's no timelines. God tests you until you're done with the test. That's how long it takes. Good news is that you can end temptations. Hmm. Well, come on, we all know this one. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you, right? We know that one. Yep. We've all got that. we got it. Resist. Okay, what's the say before that? Though? <laughs> ah! Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You see, we want the resist the devil part. You see, we want the victory without the price. What's the price? The price of temptation ending is submitting yourself to God. Saying, <laughs> you see, temptation isn't overcome by willpower. And we only know about the nature of Jesus' struggle <laughs> in the wilderness because he told the disciples about it. The church, we're family, we're a fellowship of strugglers. There's no private face. We can share with each other our struggles and temptations. See, temptation ended because Jesus brought it into the light. He let us know about it. You see, it could have been easy for him to have the time in the, of temptation, and we don't know about it. But we, we get out of temptation by submitting our problems to God. I say, God, yeah, are you give it to light. God, I'm having a problem with this. That's how we get. It. It's not willpower. It's not, well, if I just close my eyes, I won't see it. It's not willpower. It's submitting. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we bring it to the feet of Jesus, when we say, when I am weak, you are strong. Yeah. So good. When I lay out my temptations, when I bring the light, when I shine the light onto it that's when temptation ends and it's funny that like submit and resist that that we know we tend to know one part of the scripture but not the other part of it that that, that because this is the difference Jesus' wilderness experience also teaches this that there's a difference between content and context you see it's not just about knowing scripture it's also about applying scripture And we can take part of a verse and apply it and think that we're good when we take the context of that verse away from it. And then that has a, you see, it's not just knowing content, it's not just knowing scripture. You know, my mum used to have a little box with like little scrolls of scripture on them, and that was like your verse for the day. But it's just not, it's not just knowing content. It's about knowing the context of the content. You see, like, here, you see, Pharisees, they knew all the Scripture, they had all the content, but they didn't have any context for the content. And this is where I think we've got into. We've got, Oh, no, let's go here. Even, we see in this story, that the devil knows Scripture. But I know all the Scripture. Yeah, we can know all the content, but without the context. So, so the devil comes to Jesus and, and he fires off a couple of psalms at him, saying, well, I know the word of God. And if this is the word of God, then you have to do it. He knows the content, but he doesn't know the context. So he throws the content out and says, here, Psalm 91, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on the hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the tone, against yeah. a stone. Here it is, a text or content without context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to be. If you take, you can take a scripture completely out of context yeah. and then apply it however you yeah. want it to apply, and it will make sense. Yep. You see, but, but here the devil, he fires off Psalm 11 and 12, conveniently he forgets to mention verse 13. Yeah. And verse 13 is this, and the serpent you will trample under your foot. Come on. So he's saying, I've got, well, here's the content. But Jesus says, yeah, but I know the context. The context of this is that you are under my foot. And it doesn't matter what you say or what you try and pull or where you try and leave me. I'm here to trample on you. That is my mission. And that is my plan. And your, your content doesn't override my context. So good. So good. Content is is one of the driving issues behind the church. We we, we end up preaching content of what we're against. You know, I've heard messages against, like, guitars. I've heard messages against which Bible translation you should use. Who should speak in church? Last year, in the midst of all the social unrest that was going on in black lives and, and... governments being overthrown and all that, I heard so, just a little clip of someone preaching about why you shouldn't wear pants, like why women shouldn't wear pants in church. Oh. Jeans. Jeans. Shouldn't wear jeans. Uh oh. Like that's... Come on. That, I heard one a while ago saying if you have a beard, you can't be anointed. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, these old Testament dudes were uh, clean-shaven. And when it says, the anointing dripped over his smoothly uh, shaved face, and uh, like this, it's like we get into these content, and we take singular verses, and we, but we blow past the whole context of what God is trying yes. to say. And the more we dig into the Word, the more it becomes alive. The more you dig, the more you understand. You start to look at a verse and you can say, well, what's the context of this verse? Yeah, come on. How does this verse look like in the chapter? How does this chapter look like in, in, the, in this book? How does this book look like in the overall scheme of what God's trying to say from Genesis to Revelation? Fletch says it all the time, that God will only bless that is, where, that is which consistent with Himself. Which means if I have content that I, that is outside of the realm of the context of God, the themes of God, then it's not right. It's so good. I can't take a verse that is against, and say it's against God redeeming you. Because the overall theme is redemption. If there's content that is outside of the context that God is here and full of grace, then I can't use it if it's outside of God's provision or His promises, if there's a verse that is outside of faith, hope and love, then the content, then the context of that verse is wrong. So what I put, I would rather, well, I put here the church being full of pink, but let's just skip <laughs> <laughs> I would I found myself saying this the other day. I would rather over-grace than over-correct. Come on. on. I would rather over-grace than over-correct. That's the spirit of this church. If this content doesn't... And I think you need need this correction on it, and if it moves past the realm of grace, then I will apply grace and leave that over here. I'd rather over-grace than over-correct. Because gospel is come as you are, but like we've been saying, it's not stay as you are but it's not it's not the conviction of my content that will move you from where you are is the conviction of the spirit that's what will move you from where you are so if i just apply grace i'll take it it says and jesus full of the spirit returned from the george verse 14 and jesus returned in the power of the spirit the wilderness took jesus from being full of the spirit to full of power from full to action. It took him from being just full of content to full of power. It took it from internal to external. It took it from private to public. Because the power is in the application. God doesn't want us to stop at one more verse. He calls us to dig deeper. James says it like this Don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Faithfully follow wherever the Holy Spirit leads. Mm. If it's into the wilderness, or if it's into the city, our private battles become public, victories. Sometimes I wonder if that's what the all things work together for good is. Is it, it? It's not that it necessarily all things work together for good for me. It's my experience that wasn't for good can work together for good for you. Come on. My wilderness can help your wilderness. So good. That's, that's so why good. your journey matters. That's why as I says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. God wants to give your wilderness a voice. Yes. That's why your journey matters. That's why that's why I struggle with things like your best life. Yeah, I'm getting on my (laughs) soapbox. Because it infers that if... Oh, look at that. That was... It infers that if you're not living a a best life, then you're doing something wrong. Right. I can't find your best life in Scripture. I can find this those who want a life need to lay it down yeah. yes. but you need to give up to gain yeah. that is gospel yeah. Look for whoever will save his life will lose it. it's this thing that if you're not successful you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. but what's successful? to marry being married is successful mm. so you can't be single and successful Is it, I don't know, is it having a house so you can't rent and be successful? Like, is it having a retirement fund and that's successful so you can't be successful if you don't? Like, what is it? Is it having kids so you can't not have kids and be successful? Is it a a big church? Or is it being faithful? Jesus well, God says it's good Faithful, not leader, not homeowner, not business owner, not good and faithful influencer, Mm. good and faithful servant. How we handle what God has given us is far more important than perceived successfulness. Week says this the one who imagined that in just the little. That he's been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted. What's successful? You know, Paul at the road uh, one plans, one orders, God brings the growth. Yes. When we're judging things on growth, are we judging God? Leave well, that one. <laughs> <laughs> was, John, was John the Baptist successful? Was his life successful? John's life went like this, 30 years in the wilderness, yeah. public ministry for a year, prison, head cutters. That's John's life. Yeah. And we go, well, with that, was that, was he successful? We're talking about John the Baptist today. John the Baptist has been talk, talked about for 2,000 years. But what's, what's successful? I put this limited impact. He, only, he was only out there for a year. You ticked off everybody in a year. That's all it took. For some people, a year is more than enough. (laughs) All right, we'll bring you back. Okay. Um, Limited impact can have major impact. It's not this, you don't have to live a long, sustained, successful life. The limited impact, the little that God gives you, if in that moment you're faithful to it, that can have a major impact. For years decades centuries mille- millennia onwards it doesn't mean it's typically easy John from prison had to write to Jesus and he said this are you the one like I don't understand this yeah I just went 30 years preparing myself he mm-hmm. mm-hmm. gave me a year in the spotlight and I'm in jail. Yeah. And you go. am I right? Mm-hmm. Has my wilderness has it, am I right? Am I being on the wrong I don't I don't make sense of it. You know, for John he thought it was all gonna be fire and brimstone and judgment. And Jesus was the total opposite of that. He yeah. was grace and sacrifice and servant. So the disciples of John come and say John wants to know are you the one and Jesus says go and tell him the blind receive their sight the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news appreciate he just literally fires off Isaiah just like you. Jesus doesn't answer his question at all he says, Are you the one? He says, Well, I'm doing all this. So begin, to, so, begin to wrap up. This is the question that I want to ask today Will you be faithful without all the answers? John says, Let me know that you're the one. And Jesus doesn't give him the answer. But that's enough. John's okay. John's good. Doesn't, John doesn't say, Well, get me out of prison then. He says, Okay and stick in the course. I don't have all the answers, but I'm okay. We'll be faithful when things look bad. We'll be faithful when things aren't going to We Will we be faithful in the trials? Will we be faithful in the shipwreck? Will we we'll, we'll be faithful out of season? So Will we be faithful in the flood? Okay. Will we be faithful in the valley? We'll be faithful in the fire. (sighs) The journey is one of that. It's if we can stay faithful wherever He leads us. You know, there's times in my life where I look back over wilderness times where it's like, God, I don't have all the answers, but I've just tried to stay faithful. You know, I thought that I'd be standing kind of in this role in my 30s, and now I'm 40-something old, too old. There's been times where we've been in Canada, and there was a, a season in the ter- early 2000s where we had to leave. And I, and I remember sitting on the plane look, as the window took off, seeing Vancouver in, almost in the rear view mirror, and saying, God, I don't understand. I thought you called us here, and now we're saying, I don't have the answers, but I will remain. Faithful. There's been different seasons. He's pulled me into the wilderness. He's pulled me out of the wilderness. He sent me into the city. He sent me into the desert. Wherever it is, ever. It's so like I've been saying, but here I am. I'll just remain faithful. I put here in big bold, and I'm going to say here don't judge me on my successfulness judge me on my faithfulness don't judge me on the perceived values of what this should or looks or what it should be judge me on the faithfulness judge me on the saying i heard him say go into the wilderness so i went into the wilderness i heard him say go into the city so i went in the city i heard him say talk here so i did that and move here whatever it is it just says and they they went away and jesus began so he gives john no answers He doesn't clear anything up and sends them on the way. And when they're out of the way, when they're beyond earshot, so John will never know that Jesus was saying this. Jesus says, hey, who did you see? Who did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a prophet? Did you go out to see the man? Did you go out to see him all dressed up in camel hair? And obviously not a beard because there was no anointing. Whatever it was. What did you go and see? And Jesus says, well, thanks for asking. I'll give you the answer. This is what you saw. You saw a faithful follower. You saw someone who put all the social norms to the side. You saw someone who laid down his life. You saw someone who said, where you go, I'll go. You saw someone who said, if it takes 30 years for me to have an impact, then that is what I will do. Because I don't want success without the presence. And I don't want prosperity without the presence. And I don't want the land without the presence. I just want you. And so Jesus says all of that, and I wrote here, what's God saying behind your back okay. i want god not to give me an answer and me be able to faithfully say okay well i'll keep going though," because the next verse jesus says this i say to you among all of those born and there is none greater than john the baptist that's what he's saying behind his back that's what he's saying, he's saying i'm not giving you the answer to your questions But to everyone else, I'm gonna let them know that you are greater than anybody else, that you are faithful. It doesn't take special people, it takes faithful people. It takes people just like us, just like Elijah, no secret source, no special method. It takes normal guys, normal people, no that don't need dramatic moments. They don't need dramatic words, they don't need open heavens, they just see a need of a city and go to work. They just see a drought and they pray. They see a field that's ripe and they put their hands to the plough. It's on these seeds planted by these people that we see a revival. It takes the outcome. It takes the last. It takes the loss, the least, the little. It takes those that were scarred by the wilderness. It takes the ones who can sing even when they're barren. It takes the one who can see your dry bones and say, God, oh, this is an army. It takes prisons open and chains broken. It takes people healed. It doesn't take special. It just takes faith. But we stand here this morning. Thanks for listening to the C3V podcast. To find out more about our church, visit us at c3v.ca.